0: Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash The Athletic.
1: In today's episode of The Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss our takeaways from media day and the opening of training camp and discuss the reports that Ben Simmons and his camp believe that his pairing with Joel Embiid has, quote, run its course. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to The Athletic dot com slash Sixers Beat to sign up to read Rich and my written work enjoy the podcast all right welcome everybody this is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat part of the athletics podcast network you know, Rich, I have seen you now two days in a row. I truthfully can't remember the last time that happened. It's been a minute. How you doing, buddy?
2: I'm good, man. There has uh, been a little bit of a sense of return to normalcy.
1: Yeah. It, Not completely. It is, it is Sixers normal, which means yeah. there is all kinds of controversy going on. But at least it is normal in the fact that we are in the Sixers building, in the practice facility. That is somewhat normal
2: and we're not getting called on zoom anymore. We don't yep. have to do any of that. Shit. We still got to wear masks and stand, you know, a few feet away from people, but that's eh, it's still a lot better than last
1: year. It is. I can complain about traffic on 95 again. I really miss oh. that. Oh yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah. All know, part of the
2: job. It's it's like any other workplace though, man. I think the it's one of the tough things about the quarantine and covid. It's just like human interaction is it's important even for curmudgeon like me it's important it's even i I even haven't complained about having to print out the the car pass the the last couple of days found the uh found the building all right again there were no booing fans from what i saw No
1: booing fans yep
2: uh maybe they were hiding somewhere else but uh yeah And, and yeah the as far as what is going on with the sixers it's like uh, it's like Harry Potter. There's like every year, there's like something crazy happening. You know,
1: it really I mean? is like it really is. One day I will cover a point guard that can shoot and team that doesn't have con- constant controversy. I just haven't known that in my career yet. So well, th- that will be an interesting day. Interesting Harry
2: never Harry never had like a weird year or like a normal year at school where he's just like, yeah, got a couple bees. You know, <laughs> it was like I don't know. It went on a couple field trips, those type of things. Now he was always always getting killed or. Attempted to get killed or something like that. Yeah, and with the Sixers, there's just never any normalcy whatsoever.
1: Nope. But the Sixers had media day on Monday. They had the first day of training camp here on Tuesday. So I guess, and in that time, there have been a lot of comments, obviously, about said point guard who can't shoot. And then there was a couple of reports, one from our colleague Sam Amick, one from Kevin O'Connor sort of painting the Ben Simmons perspective.
2: Makes sense. You know, the Sixers had to talk at, at media day, so you would think uh, Ben would get his side of the story out.
1: Yeah. So I guess, would you like to start off on the Sixers side or on the Ben Simmons side? Uh, let's start with the Ben side, because I think that's more interesting to me, honestly. Yeah, the Sixers really didn't say all that much interesting. Um couple of comments on the fans which I'm, sh- I'm sure we will get to but so the the real first i think in-depth report of ben simmons and sort of what his problems with the sixers are came from sam amick like i said our colleague over at the athletic uh, you can go to the athletic.com slash sixers to read it if you're not already an uh, a, a subscriber if you are well you can go there to read it mm-hmm. um so that's how it works yeah that's how it works Probably probably could have done that one a little bit better. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, Sam started off basically talking about how uh, Ben had gotten to the point where he was so convinced he was being traded to Houston that he had started doing real research into the Houston real estate market. Uh, and obviously that trade, uh, which they were negotiating there in December and January, never came to be. Rockets sent James Harden to the Nets, but it has been reported in the past that Ben Simmons and Danny Green were told that they were, there was a, a, a strong chance they were going to be traded. So we knew that the discussions had gotten pretty far. Uh, it sounds like that did linger a little bit, which isn't entirely surprising. That is something that you and I had talked about as a potential sticking point uh, for we, a long time before that.
2: We said it the night he, he didn't get traded.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That it was going to be curious on, on how this was going to going to go. And it was weird. And that like, we thought, hey, he could be really moody after this. And then, first off, he did not seem to be that moody, at least initially. Yep. And he played his best basketball of the season in like the next month or so yep. after that. But yes, it definitely lingered.
1: Yeah, it definitely lingered. Um, you know, Sam came through. Uh, basically, the crux of it is, um, and 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 Sam's report they dispute the notion that the fans are are the problem here. Um, they also dispute the fact that. Ben could return. You know, Daryl Morey had used the analogy of Aaron Rodgers as, "Hey, look, this kind of stuff happens." We believe Ben can come back and be part of the team. Uh, the response from a source uh, with knowledge of Simmons' outlook said it's total bullshit. It it being the the chance that Ben would come back. You know, and then and then Sam gets to the, sort of like the core of it. And let's see where is. You know, it says that uh, there's a bunch of layers to it. He's clearly hurt, by the way, in his eyes. who was scapegoated after the Hawks series. Um, but the issues between the Sixers and Simmons started long before that. There is basically, uh, where am I? People who have intimate knowledge of how he sees the situation continue to insist that he's done playing with Embiid. There's not, nothing personal about this choice, it seems, but the 25-year-old Simmons has clearly decided that his career is better off without Embiid Blocking the runways in the paint that he so badly needs to succeed, um, as he sees it, uh, the organization's choice to build its basketball ecosystem around Embiid's style simply isn't conducive to the way he needs to play. So while Embiid insisted to reporters on Monday that he wants him his back, this much is clear: the feeling is not mutual. Uh, Sam has another source in there saying that it it being the pairing has run its course. There was then a sort of follow up article. I don't want to say follow-up because I'm sure that um, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer was working on this well before. He has way too much detail in there for it to be a true follow-up. Uh, but he he says pretty much the same thing. League sources say the primary motivation for Clutch Sports' aggressive holdout is to steer him to a team built around him on offense. No matter the roster makeup in Philly, he will only ever be the number two as long as Embiid is healthy. So, I mean, I don't... Do you even really... Care too much. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure. I'd necessarily care all that much. Why Ben wants to move on. Um. Yeah. I. I. I, 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 I mean. If, I think
2: that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Oh, I, I. I think.
1: Yeah. It is. It is. I think I'm just burned out.
2: I mean. I. I think the idea that he's. You know. I think in KOC's report it was a description of it's not you, it's me, which. Uh, sure. You know the the classic line. Sign, yeah
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh. But the idea that Ben Simmons wants to be, and, and, you know, I think it's it's very interesting that he's saying, you know, hey, I want to be Giannis Light, you know, I want to be the man on a team. I want to be the number one option. Sure. When he was afraid to shoot. At sure. First, I mean, coming off, but, okay, but that seems to be the. I don't know the rationale for, from their standpoint. And obviously, it's not just one factor, but I, I, I do think like they, they they wanted to, you know, his representation at Clutch are, are being honest about this. They think he can be a lot better in another situation besides the Sixers. Now, do I really agree with that? No, but at least that reasoning has gotten out there more than, hey, we just don't want to be in Philly.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think... So, if you just completely zoom out and ignore all kinds of context, just ignore all the details about the situation, is there a better theoretical fit for Ben Simmons offensively? Just offensively, because I think once you start getting to stretch fives who can also protect the rim, you start coming up to a very short list. But theoretically, would there be a better system and and and, 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 and team and teammate and other star player To make Ben individually marginally better offensively. And I'm couching that with a lot because I think you have to. Because I think even, but so to go back to that, yes. I think you could devise a perfect five-man pairing where Ben individually could be marginally better. You know, I think people will talk about, well, Joel Embiid can shoot. Well, yeah, he, he can, but he's still posting up a lot. And that's going, you know, Ben is never going to be able to play off of a post up well with his current limitations. Uh, So I think you could devise a, not only a a better fit in terms of a center to play next to him, but a better co-star style of play that would fit better with Embiid. And I think that the high usage co-star is as much an important part of that discussion as it is center. But the limiting factor with Ben Simmons, what will unlock Ben Simmons is not devising a perfect five-man unit around him the same limitations the same reason he's not reaching his current ceiling that lane was wide open for that dunk those free throws were not contested the same limitation the same fear of failure the same skill sets the same lack of development are going to eventually inhibit him and that's why when i said it could he be marginally better individually I couch that very much because he would be marginally better. He's not going to become a Giannis. He's not going to reach his potential or his ceiling until he fixes the core fundamental problems. So yes, ignore all context. Ignore everything else around this situation. Theoretically, a high post-up center is not the perfect fit to unlock Ben Simmons skill sets, but his skill sets are going to be wasted if he doesn't fix his core underlying issues.
2: So you said, may he be marginally better offensively, Okay, maybe. You know what? It might not is definitely not gonna be marginally better though if you find him in that situation. The yeah, team. The, the team yeah. the team is gonna be worse to maybe significantly worse if he's the best player. And I thought it was no. I kinda laughed when you said there's a small group of stretch fives that also protect the rim. You know who's a stretch kind of a stretch five who, who protects the rim? Joe Joe Alan Bede. Yeah, just I,
1: I do think that the the amount of post-up plays, though, factors yeah. into it. No. Yeah. So, it's not, it's not well, like Embiid's going to be Brooke Lopez, you know,
2: offensively. No. Uh, and look, I, I don't want to dance on um on Ben's grave. I don't know why he's dying in this uh analogy I just made. But whatever. I do not want to pile on Ben here. But I just, I mean, I flat out disagree. I don't think that the situation is the thing that is holding him back. I think it's what's between his two years, you know? Yeah. Like, I just... And I think, I frankly think the Sixers are a good situation for him because Embiid is somebody who he could build like a great defensive foundation with and also be the primary perimeter creator if he could do it. And frankly, he can't do it at that, uh, at that high level. And, you know, it's just, we have been over this, but the idea that he's Giannis, Giannis is one of the greatest like he's, he's essentially Shaq in the modern era. He's right. that good. And Ben shoots hook shots because he doesn't want to get fouled. So <laughs> right. There, there, There's a difference there. And Ben is obviously he creates a ton of three pointers. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this today. Like I, I do think like it's going to be pretty interesting to see what the Sixers look like without him to start the season. Cause I, I do think as a regular season contributor, we, we might be underrating him. Oh, a hundred
1: percent. Yeah.
2: But, uh, yeah, the idea that he's just a situation away
1: from being unlocked at this super elite level—I, I, I don't see it now. I mean, you it, and I—we just had a podcast a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, where we sort of poo-pooed the idea that our, there's teams around the league going, "Ah, we just got to get him in our system, and he's going to be a, a superstar, foundational piece." Like, I don't. And I, I, look, I get his own agency and represent, representation is probably not the best place to get an unbiased read on his potential. Uh, they're probably clinging to that 16-game stretch or whatever it was back in 2017-18 a little bit too hard, or maybe that Jazz game a little bit too hard. The jazz reason, game, the maybe, reason,
2: the, maybe when Embiid went out, like the Lakers game in 2019-20 when, when Horford was there. Yeah, yeah. and, and okay, keep, keep before yeah, I... I mean, just interrupt l- you l- me
1: like l- it's like you said, the eventually he's going to get fouled when he's the number one option. I don't care how much spacing he has around him. If he's not confident stepping that line, if he's not confident um, being... Uh, look I'd love to say a jump shooter but certainly if he's not confident in stepping that line he's eventually going to stop attacking the rim I don't care how much space there is it's just it's delusional to think that this is your issue and like I said I'm leaving a tiny fraction of a you know because I think there is like we've spent time talking about how this isn't the most natural offensive fit between the two certainly a a post-up center like I said he's never going to find a natural role next to a post-up center there's just how many how many years have we been talking about the dunker spot and like, well, why can't they figure out another way? Well, there really isn't another way. There's no way to hide him when Joel Embiid's posting up. There's no way to make him effective. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of ways to make him effective when he's off the ball with any other star, but that's a, a, he can deal with that when he gets wherever he's going. Uh, so I think there's some truth conceptually to his position, but I think he's ignoring that, like, yeah, if he was able to reach his current ceiling, would the fit, Maybe he'd be better somewhere else where he could have a, a, a better team constructed around him. Maybe, but he's nowhere near reaching his, his ceiling, so it doesn't really matter. The other
2: thing I was thinking of, too, when you want to be honest, we're not talking about five-game stretches, ten-game stretches, one good game against Rudy Perry. you got to bring right, it every right. night, man. And last year, he had all these long stretches that were just dog shit offensively and it's man does that not fly when you're the, the best player on the team and the other thing i'll say too you don't want to play with joel Embiid beat anymore fine you're gonna see what it's like being a really good perimeter defender and how much of an impact that can have you yeah. know if you if you just have average teammates around you so yeah. yeah i mean like look i i think he's and his agency are being pretty delusional in, in their thinking here, but hey, like at least at least their thinking is out there. And
1: yeah.
2: And that, they're you know, they they think he could be better. But I, I just it, it's really tough to it's it's a tough sell to do that right after those plays. Sure. It just is. Like we we need him to be honest. We need him to
1: like you're you know, the one just, being held back. Like like dude, we all just witnessed you collapse in the biggest of stage. Like come on.
2: Yeah. Uh and that's the other thing too about this is
1: you know, you look at all these
2: great teams around the league, you know, who who, who would you say is the championship favorite this year?
1: Oh, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's Brooklyn pretty, pretty much running away.
2: You know why? Because they got three guys <laughs> who, who, like, could actually run the offense and, and maybe get it to a top 10, top five in Harden's case, you know, top 15 level in Kyrie's case.
1: Well, so at, at, all, least, at least when they're outside of the New York metropolitan area, then they have sure. two. Yeah, sure.
2: And they all play on the same team, so you know, I I don't know. Does he want to be, you know, a guy who gets his average up to twenty points and eleven assists, and his team wins thirty five games or something like that? Maybe I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean the idea, the idea that a change of scenery is the He's gonna uh, fix
1: his confidence issues it, and his lack is, of skill. Yeah, is that it? No, like, I know. I look,
2: know. he could be, he could be better elsewhere. But that's going to be because he gets himself right, (laughs) not because, oh, man, like the big man's not standing in my way. anymore. Yeah.
1: And like I said, I think he can probably like a change of a senior, a change of teammates could make him marginally better individually, offensively. And I'm I'm so many qualifiers because, like you said, he's not going to find a better uh, defensive pairing out there. Certainly not one that can then also provide spacing when he needs it he might get better individuals. And I, I go back and I look at his his time with Horford. and I think he was averaging pretty much the same points per game on like 5% better shooting and maybe assist per, an assist per 100 possessions more. So he was individually both a little bit higher volume because of the assists and also a little bit more efficient. Like I think there's, but we're talking marginally, fractionally. You're not changing who he is fundamentally as a player. And I don't think it's going to change fundamentally by moving. Like would Minnesota be like maybe the perfect fit for them offensively yeah it would yeah but they're not gonna be a, like a top five defense like you're not you're not gonna have the team success that you would here with whatever um and I think going back to it you know there's a lot of talk of, of what what really is driving Ben's decision and I think it's one of those I remember when there was so much talk about personality and do they like each other personally and Kevin O'Connor and Sam Amick and you and I on this podcast have all been pretty clear that there's nothing personal between Embiid and Simmons. But one of the concerns with the personality, as my monitor got shifted. It's all right. You're still on there. One of the the concerns with the personality is that it's fine when you're winning, but when you meet a lot of, um, you know, scrutiny, that's when, if you don't get along off the court, it could really come into play. Well, I think they still get along off on the court. Fine. But if Ben's been harboring sort of like this belief that, Hey, I could be better elsewhere. I should have a team constructed around me. Yada, yada, yada. Maybe he was able to push that back in prior years, but now you've hit a wall in the second round for the third straight year. You had this thing where the team tried to trade you earlier. Um, you have your, your, your star player and your coach making comments, and none of these individually would contribute to Ben being where he's at, but you add them all up along with, by the way, I believe I can, rightfully so or not, and I think you and I both agree not, if he's been harboring these beliefs and all these little things happened they could all add up and i think that's really what we're we're seeing here and also he probably is not super thrilled about playing in front of philadelphia fans again i think all of that lines up and are all contributing factors to his his stance which yeah. is which so, is the the most weight to it which one is the final straw i don't know but i i think it would be um wrong to assume that those aren't all contributing to it
2: yeah so uh don't agree with him, but you know, at least at least he, he's he's made his his point. The uh I thought it was interesting the in the KOC report, I believe it was, what, what the idea of Doc telling him that he was gonna go small this year and he was gonna stagger. Can I
1: just say, like most of what we're talking about here, I blame Ben. They could have gotten a backup center who fit Ben's style of play better than Greg Monroe. Bobon. Um Well they did. They did the one year. The one year. Well they, they, they and, that screwed
2: every, and that screwed everything they else. They weren't
1: going out there to get a backup center though. They were going out there to get a backup power or a starting power forward. He just happened to turn into their backup center. By but and a, large But the, that was a
2: big reason they did that as well. And it, it was it's a part of the that. reason.
1: Um but I think the other years, the other, you know, three reason. years of their playoff runs, it probably could have helped him a little bit to have a backup center who didn't get in his way. And those guys were talking about actually getting in his way. Um that could have been constructed but I think we I, I don't think that changes where we're at.
2: Yeah, but I, I you know I, I did think it was playoff it,
1: run, but whatever.
2: It was interesting that Doc said he was gonna stagger more this year and I think it was Ben, yang and Tobias that's I don't I don't see a lot of stops in that year no. getting made. But you know it just goes to show the Sixers I mean I think they're they're stuck here and they they do want him back, you know. I guess if we wanted to transition to the other part of this with, uh, you know, the, the idea of Daryl Morey talking about Aaron Rodgers and saying statistically that uh, the team is good when Ben and Joe plays, which it's true. They are. Sure. They
1: are. Yeah. Right up until the second round of the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, a lot of people are good when... But yeah, I mean, you brought this up, like the team... Record when Joel is on there, but without Ben is way less than it is when two are available. Like they're definitely a better team. Certainly a better regular season and first round playoff team. Uh, when I saw, I saw one stack go around like the Sixers are three and one in game in playoff games when, and Bead is not available, but Simmons is, and Simmons has like a, an incredible average. Well, most of those are coming against, you know, first round. Miami in the first round. There was that Brooklyn game a couple years ago in the first round. Like that's not the problem.
2: And then the Washington game yeah. this year. That's Those are the four. <laughs> Split against Miami. Ben played awesome against Brooklyn. And then he played pretty good. I mean, he had a triple-double against Washington this year, but Washington was like a, garbage. a college team. Yeah, yeah.
1: garbage. Uh, Kentucky. So, yeah.
2: Yep. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, and I, I think there's a lot to this, too. I, I also just think Ben doesn't want to be the guy who's going to get traded. Who is in waiting to get traded because sure. he is the biggest trade ship and the Sixers are going to trade him as soon as they find the right deal. And they were going to do that regardless of whether he was uh, was willing to show up the training camp and all of these things.
1: So and quite honestly, like that's maybe I think his most legitimate gripe, like when teams try to trade you. It's understandable to me to some degree to not appreciate that. No wonder how long you're going to be a part of that franchise. So if you're going to be traded anyway, go out on your own terms. I sort of get that a little bit. That, that to me is the most understandable part of this entire thing. Yeah. Uh, just don't, you you don't need to bring the fans into this, especially when the fans look, Would I understand some trepidation of how the fans will treat you. If you come back in November. Yeah. They're going to get all over your shit. Like you said, I think it was third podcast in a row. They weren't the problem before they will be now. But any suggestion that the fans were a problem before this, I would push back on very heavily. Um, okay. But we don't have to. And like Doc's comments and Bede's comments, do I think they contribute a little bit? Yeah, but I think they're minor contributors. I think the biggest legitimate gripe he has are the trade rumors back in January. And you and I can sit there and say, well, it was for James freaking Harden, dude. And Joel and Bede can be like, well, if they wanted to trade me for Steph and Clay, I get it. Well, it's, I think it's different when you're actually the person in those trade rumors. So I leave a little bit of leeway for that, but the offensive focal point, I don't really get at all. No, no, but especially I, I not they, when you shit the bed anyway, I'm sorry.
2: But, uh, you know, I, you, you've also heard posturing from their camp of, you know, if you want to trade me, then, then do it. So, ah, it's a lot of different reasons that, that he wants to do this. I look, I, I. I think I think he should come back and play. Like that's uh, that that's not to excuse him holding out from uh, you know, his thirty million dollars. But yeah,
1: but to uh, your point, if he came back and played, I think Daryl would be looking to trade him, which is why I think he oh, wants yeah. out. Yeah, I like I, I I sort of get it. I sort of get. it. Yeah, that
2: and that's the thing when when Joel says, "Well, yeah, if if the Warriors wanted to trade me for, they're not though. They're, yeah, you're not not really get traded. Yep." But you know why you're not going to get traded, Joe? Because you got Because that you, earned? You, cause you earned it, man. <laughs> That's why. So, uh, it. look, I, I get that, though. That it's it's a shitty feeling knowing, hey, I am the guy who they're going to trade. Like, it, to even call it a trade rumor, too. Like, no, no, no. It's a fact. Like, he's going to get traded. Yeah. He was going to get, tra- regardless of whether he held out or this was like a circus this offseason. And regardless if he collapsed in the past. Uh, In the past playoffs, let's say he was just kind of average, and they got, you know, they got bounced by the the Bucks in the next round in in six, and it was not this whole big dramatic shit show that it was. He still was going to be the guy who was going to get traded, yeah.
1: And like, like, and it's it's
2: not, and it's not all his fault because the Sixers screwed up a million things before this that kind of made it so that he was going to have to be the guy. That also should be included as well. Sure, but and, and I think a lot of people would argue, hey, man, you. You're getting paid $30 million a year. You got to go do your job, you know, at some point. And I, I I do agree with that as well, but they, they, uh, they clutch sports. I I don't think feel that way.
1: Well, I think, I I think that's a good point because like a lot of people are like, well, you had some agency. Why didn't you just sign a qualifying offer? Which no one, that's not like 15 million instead of 170 million. That's not realistic choice. But also like if he signs a qualifying offer and walks, you've got nothing as a fan, it is better that he signed an extension, went a year in, and now you get to trade him. Uh, that is better. F- I, I get it's frustrating as hell, and it stirs up emotions, but six are in a better spot because he demanded a trade after signing that extension. It's just we've got to go through a couple months of agony to get to that point. Um, also, the other thing I want to say regarding this, like, if he had played well in the second round and they won, And then they go to the conference finals and they lose, and he plays good enough, like to the point where you're not blaming him for the collapse. But then he's like, by the way, I still went out because you tried to trade me. I wonder how differently the sympathy towards him would be. Because A, he's got, I think, a little more legitimate reason than the one he's given. And B, he didn't just cost you a fucking golden chance at a conference finals or more with his just completely epic, almost unprecedented collapse. Um, Yeah. Like I said, the, 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 the trade thing is the one part of his stance that, like, I get, I get to some degree. But yeah. a lot's happened between then and now that make him not sympathetic, even in the slightest.
2: And now he can't look at the Houston real estate market anymore. He can't, you know,
1: he can't. Well, maybe, so, maybe, maybe, you know, they they have John Wall. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't come <laughs> at me. Don't come at me. Don't come at me, please. Uh, I'll be honest. So when I started reading Amex's report about, um, you know, we got a, a little bit of a heads up before it came out. When I started reading it and it mentioned Ben looking for real estate, like I was like half asleep and reading it, I'm like, no, there's nothing to John Wall, is it? This can't be happening. And then I read the whole thing and woke up. And, um, Yeah.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, Courtside seats to an NBA game and more. Head over to MicelobeUltra.com/slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time Trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet Trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina you know? Wine Mixer Trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, You Might Win Some, But You Just Lost One Trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make six trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the the craziness follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts listen ad free right now by joining Wondery plus anyway
2: okay so I I guess moving on to the Sixers who ah, man it's a weird media day
1: it's just yeah you had you had you had Doc Rivers open it up legitimately open it up by patting himself on the back for the almost miracle run that they had to uh finished last season. Hold on. Where's where, where's the quote? I'm reading this one because it was, really pissed me off.
2: It was a miracle regular season because of their new players. And their last,
1: new co- last year, we almost pulled off, you know, really a miracle run, Rivers said in his opening remarks. It's rare that you have new coaches, new players, new front office members, and you turn things around the way you do and have a chance to win. <sighs> you know, he it, this doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, but it, it irked me. You know, he ended last season on a very similar note. Uh, what exactly did he say following the, uh, this this team that, right, he compared it to a team that got swept last year to point out how much progress they made. Look at the mess I cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. And he had three months to think about it, and he came back and he called it a miracle run. Uh, no, losing to the Hawks. The, they really beat up Hawks, too. The injured Hawks in the second round after beating a, garbage Washington team in a first round. It's not a miracle run. Uh, the one seed lost the five seed, including game seven on their home, including two games where you blew 18 plus point leads was not Kurt Russell is not walking through that door to make another miracle movie. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry, doc. That was a disaster. And you can't insult us like that by rephrasing it. And, <laughs> well, okay. I'm, I'm this miracle. By the way, miracle. Great movie. Yeah. Oh. go Go see it. If you haven't seen it. Um, awesome which uh, don't need to spoil anything. It's a a true event and B has been out for 15 plus years.
2: That, that speech Kurt Russell gives (sighs) before the Russia game, man, that, that gives me goosebumps. (laughs) Doc, Doc should have played that speech and maybe they wouldn't have lost. Maybe that would have fired (laughs) Ben Simmons up for that game. Sorry. I, uh, I really, really love that movie. Good.
1: It's just, it's, it's, I don't even remember where I was going. You completely threw me off.
2: I, I mean, you're right that, you know, we said this at the time. That's, I think that's maybe the most pathetic playoff series loss ever. And all of the goodwill from your regular season, which was good also, which 95% of the credit, maybe not 95 because he was hurt for a little bit, but let's go like 91% of the credit goes to the guy who was already here and was playing out of his fucking mind for a little while. Yeah. So
1: he he, he talks about the changes. Like you, you replaced Josh Richardson and Al Horford. Like it wasn't core. Like your top three players were. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't. No, it no. Doesn't matter. No, and we we said this. It was
2: Joe first. It was Maury second.
1: Yeah, and Doc did a nice job
2: during the regular season last year. But just like everything well, else, the, other, the goodwill is gone.
1: The other point he brought up was, oh well, Keith Pompey the Inquirer had us ranked sixth coming in the season. Well, Vegas had you tied for second. All right, like it's not like you were a no name team that came up and stole the one seed and then lost in the second. Anyway, don't reframe a a second round, a a crushing second round loss as a, uh, as a success. So that's how the press conference started, which still boggles my mind. And then it was all pretty much all Simmons. Yeah. And Um, and and that's something
2: that the media were going to hammer that those points home. We're going to keep asking about Simmons. I bet. Uh, Although I, I do think that, the longer he holds out and once they get to the actual basketball, it'll still be a black cloud hanging over the team, but it, it might not It'd be quite away, the distraction. Bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and their company line, I'm sure they got coached up on this, was we want him back.
1: And we want him back and we think the fans are the problem. Yeah, so- a little bit. I guess what I'm talking about there is they don't really all of them, everyone from Doc Rivers to Joel Embiid to Tobias Harris to everyone sort of went out of their way to say like, look, I love the fans. Fans are great. They're passionate, but not everyone can handle that. Like pretty much everyone sort of had that. I love them this way, but it's not for everyone. And like I said, on the one hand, I sort of get it if we're projecting forward to how Ben will be received when he comes back. On the other hand, I don't get that if we're talking about in the past and how the fans have treated Ben.
2: Yeah, no. And that's the the problem with it is that it's window dressing on Ben's problems. You're sure it's, it's the reason why Ben hasn't gotten any better because nobody is confronting him to the level you need to, you still have Joe dancing around. Oh, you know, he's very good in the regular season. You have doc, Going back to, I'm back to focusing on the things he can do. Yeah, and he's a championship point guard, by the way. I said that. I said that. I definitely
1: <laughs> my intent was, was to say that. That was my favorite part. He wanted uh, us to grade his intention on not, and not what he actually said.
2: But uh, again, it's just like, I, I I am not doing this anymore. His uh, his weaknesses. We are talking about them in the open now. Okay. Sure. That's uh. That's how we're going about it, yeah. And I mean, look, I, I will give those guys a little bit of a pass just because I feel like some of those fan questions, which which are fine, were, we're kind of set up for them to go. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I, I'm not sure we would have gotten all of those answers if they weren't specifically asked about the fans in a lot of cases. Uh,
1: Philadelphia yeah. loves two things: they love bragging about their hard nosed fans and complaining about people who acknowledge their hard nosed fans.
2: Uh, oh, and I- that was. And there's no city that likes to talk about. Are we good fans more? Like there's there's a. Do they love us? You know, like it's. uh, Yeah, it's it's in it's weird place, but I, I mean, it's just like when when you hear things like like Joe says, some people are built for it, some people are not. I would say some people are built for cutthroat. NBA playoff basketball and yeah. some people are not. Yeah. And, oh, and I well, think that's it, yeah. that's the actual truth here. Like that's that's closer to what the what the problem is. Like some people are you know, when things get tough in the NBA and uh, you know, things the other team scouts you and it's not easy and it's physical.
1: Here, here's the thing. If you do what you did in Minnesota, first take is still gonna have an opinion. Shaq is mm-hmm. still gonna talk about it, Barkley's still gonna talk about it. I don't think it's a local pressure that is at the core. You're a hundred percent right. And look, is this Philadelphia and the rabidness of the fan base and the size of the fan base make it fractionally more difficult to come back from an epic collapse of that nature and just completely turtling up maybe, but the core of the problem is still what you did in the playoffs. Uh, So yeah, I I think the fans are first of all, like I said, any looking backwards on that, I think is just rubbish nonsense forward looking i think there's an acknowledgement that it would be tough for him to come back but i think that's because mostly to your point of the way he ended last season not the actual fan base
2: they're um, not gonna, they're not going to be the solution this time around they're yeah no no the they're way. not um which which by the way is why i mean i think there's an acknowledgement that like he's going to be out for at least a few weeks here Mm-hmm. But, like, I think w- where you're seeing the opinions differ a little bit from the Sixers, from Simmons, all these different things, is when he gives in. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the Sixers, just from everything we hear, are giving in.
1: No. Th- I this, think- this right now is their most, like, difficult spot. This right yeah. now is when it's most uncomfortable. It will ease up unless he comes back and goes full Jimmy Butler.
2: Or they completely suck. Yeah. In a way that you know i don't know and and it's you know as far as them you know how how they do with i guess we we'll get into maxie in a little bit but i don't know if if joe is healthy i don't see them completely sucking cuz if you you have one of the top 6 or 7 dudes in the league and he's healthy you're not going to be horrible
1: no but if there's anything that happens where he's missing 2 3 weeks that's yeah. when it could get uncomfortable for sure
2: for sure it's trouble going to hear a lot of uh no Drummond will save the season, and uh, it was. That's what I mean. Like in a, for a normal NBA team, the Joel Drummond playing against each other in a scrimmage today would have been something that everybody pointed out.
1: Oh well, oh, did, the- did you see Drummond trying to get like a high five from Joel, and Joel just ignored him? Yeah,
2: and and that was a funny little Zapruder yeah. on a. No, nah, but they they had other. Videos where they look like they were getting along. Oh,
1: no, it was. I I think it was blowing up because of the previous interactions between them, for sure. But that was the kind of thing that we should be talking about on this podcast. Not Ben Simmons wishes. Yeah.
2: For a normal, boring. And I mean, boring in a positive way, because there's not as much controversy team. That would be. I mean, it wouldn't be the number one subject just because it's like, you know, some of it is manufactured uh, old Twitter beefs and stuff like that. But it it wouldn't be a complete afterthought in the way I didn't even realize Drummond. I was like, oh, uh, where where is he? Oh yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy matched up with Embiid, and and nobody cares about that. So
1: no, we, uh, we would we would be spending twenty minutes talking about Tyrese Maxey's shooting drill that he had with Shake and Seth. That's what we'd be talking about.
2: Been a, been a while since we picked up some video.
1: Yeah, especially jumper videos from point guards. And this one's actually kind of good. He looked good. Usually it is Markel videos, which, uh, or Ben videos or Ben free throws or shit like that.
2: Man, Mar- Markel video day. That was amazing. Uh,
1: well, that's then, why uh, when you were saying like, like this will get back to normal, it will be like, that will be a completely foreign feeling to me. I don't know what like a normal training camp is.
2: What what a day that was though. When the, uh, the recently retired JJ Reddit, congratulations yeah. on that, uh, snapped at us and uh said stop filming this professional basketball player who's unable to shoot a basketball on who a has
1: has 23 hours and 50 minutes of the day he can shoot without the media and did not have to be out there uh well, how dare you take video of that yeah um look and I, I don't even really care like i players should have the back of other players um i mean we had jj on the podcast and we we, we talked about it uh i don't have a problem with jj sticking up for him just like you know, Danny Green was talking about how he was sticking up uh, for his teammates. He will always have his back, his brother's back. I, I get that. But yeah, I miss, I miss talking about broken. No, I don't. No, I would like to talk about improving jumpers. Yeah, which, but, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only other thing I really had with 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 the press conference, this sort of I thought, ties.
2: I thought Embiid was kind of interesting.
1: Oh yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it would, if you haven't go go to YouTube, just search Joel Embiid Media Day twenty twenty one. Watch his whole thing, and so he, you get the whole thing in context. He was he was pretty clear about that. Uh, joke, joking for the most part. Um, clear about that, but he was you know go watch the whole thing. He he went through I think a big range of emotions, where you could see like a little bit of annoyance, but he wants him back, and you could see I, th- I think both sides. I think Joel Joel is a conflicted person. Yeah.
2: Well, I think it's like we all are, you know. Ben Simmons is a walking contradiction as a basketball player, and nobody knows that more
1: than the guy who plays with him.
2: Than the guy who's very plugged in how he ticks, and um, yeah, the the other best player on the team. I it's funny when you see stuff on Twitter, like you know, I I see some stuff like because Joe is right, You, you know, you tweet out one sentence from his. Answer and he says, "Well, don't don't do that." He's like, "Play the full answer," and it is kind of funny because you're sitting there, like, "Dude, you just talk for like six minutes, like that's yeah. that's a it's
1: that's not a getting pretty long answer." I, I know Twitter up the uh, the character limit a couple of years ago, but that's not getting on there. Yeah,
2: no. and By the way, I, I know the video limit. That's uh, I believe it's two twenty. Yeah, exactly two twenty. I don't. Yep. I don't think one of your answers even fit in in, in that limit. So, yeah, I, I mean, but you could just see him going through the same thing. That, that we are in trying to wrap our heads around this. And, you know, it's funny when he's like, we all have to play to our potential and it's not just Ben. It's me. It's Matisse. It's shake. And, and I'm just sitting there laughing and I'm like,
1: the subtext dude, is, but Ben, like you've got to play to your potential.
2: Yeah. I'm just laughing thinking like, you know, Shake's potential is like
1: it's a little—it's a little lower it's than it's Ben. Not nearly as important. Yep.
2: I, th- I, think yep. Get, I think Shake's getting a little more out of his talent than Ben, in my my opinion. Uh, but that—that's what I mean. And you know, that that didn't blow up as much. I was kind of surprised his comment about uh, the shooting videos. Yep. Uh, because we could use that. Yeah, we- <laughs> I'm sure you've all seen. <laughs> He can't help himself. He just no, it's, he can't. It's like I've said before. Like even if he uh, and and I, I do think he recognizes Ben's talent. Like I think he would agree with the point that we made earlier. Hey, like I think we are underrating a little bit how much he helps you in the regular oh, season. I think he
1: would agree with with creating shots. I think he would agree with defense and what he adds. Like I think they're and getting into early offense. Like I think he. Like you said, Ben's a walking contradiction. Joel's a very small, smart basketball player. He, he gets all that for sure.
2: But he would also agree with shoots fucking ball. Yeah. Is this guy serious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get in, I get interviewed. What? 200 times during a season. I don't know what the exact number is. At some point it's going to seep out. What, what are we doing? Yeah. And, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, look at, look at, look at the way we talk about Ben. Like there are some people who will, will say that we make excuses for him constantly. And some people who over in previous years were said we were constantly criticizing him. It's because it's both right there. It's both so fucking obvious that you have to, it, anyway, anyway. Uh, what else do we have here? I guess we can just go, go to Maxi. Maxi was w- running with the runs. He-
2: running with the runs. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was just pooping his <laughs> pants all, all on the floor.
1: Maxi was running with the ones during uh, the opening of training camp. It was Maxi, uh, Curry, uh, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Uh, we then obviously asked whether or not that was the way it was for most of the practice, and it was. It wasn't just a closing thing they did, which no no surprise, really. I think the bigger surprise would be whether or not they kept the, you know, Curry in there and, and ran with two small guards in that lineup. I saw some people recommending maybe bringing Matisse up in there, but then there's not a whole lot of dribbling with that group. Um, when you're two, three, four is Matisse, Danny Green, and Tobias Harris. That's putting a lot on Tyrese's shoulders. I will say he looked pretty good shooting the ball. It's an open gym. Most NBA play, not all. Most NBA players look pretty good shooting the ball in open gym, but I think he looked better than he did. Well, not that we saw any open gyms last year, but he certainly, I think, looked a little more fluid and comfortable uh, than he did shooting the ball in game action, but it's an open gym.
2: Yeah, it's just uh, just good that the clutch sports allowed him to, to show up and, and take, that's the other funny part of this. Uh, I think he, he also, he refuted the report that uh, the clutch wanted him out of uh, of Philly. He, uh, yeah, I mean, he's as far as the on court stuff. Yeah, of course, everybody wants to watch Embiid. Can he make another run at MVP? What other ridiculous shit is he going to be able to do this year? Like, obviously, that's the most interesting, fun part of the team because he's awesome. But I think in terms of like how good are the Sixers going to be to start the year? Sure. Maxi is by a mile the, the yep. most interesting storyline here. And
1: uh, they need him like if, they, if they're going to be a, a really good team without Ben Simmons, without a trade, they need it not to be like encouraging good. They need him to be like good, good pretty quickly. Like we're talking 16 points on a, we'll say a 55. true shooting, like something in that range where he can credibly create half court offense efficiently. And that's a lot to ask for a 20 year old. That's a lot to ask for a 20 year old, which is, um, yeah, be really interesting.
2: Well, it's, and it's different for him too, because, you know, when he was the fan favorite in last year's playoffs and he was the guy everybody loved, he got to play the role of just the guy to go get buckets and, you know, shoot, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, remember I was saying that during the playoff games last year? It's like, man, the crowd goes nuts with this guy. And then, like, you look right. at the box score it and it's four like
1: four of nine for eight points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like three of 10 for seven points. It was like, yeah, but the, the, I think the fans would be like, yeah, but those were a good seven points. Like, <laughs> those were allowed seven points. That can't happen this year. Like, because they won't be as good. And it's, it's a different uh, calculus for him as well, because, you know, from being the instant offense off the bench. All right, we you're playing with Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid and Danny Green and Seth Curry are these great shooters that need driving kick opportunities. Tyrese Maxey, it honestly Doc gave a I don't know. I was like, "What what do you expect from him this year?" And he was like, "Do you expect him to be you know, what what type of improvements?" I don't know. You know, he's not a point guard. Uh, you know, he's yeah. he's just learning the position." I was thinking like, you know, that's a fair assessment. Of of where he's at, I, I agree with you. A
1: tiny bit of an ego boost, boost might have been okay there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Don't
1: I, take the like a
2: maybe like half of the Ben Simmons tact. Maybe you know with Tyrese Maxey, You know, it, it, I feel like Doc either has to just build a guy up completely or he's like, way you know, too the, the, rookies, the rookies. The rookies, he's I'm gonna be on your ass the whole time. And I don't know. Maybe there's a middle, and maybe maybe he's. Acting differently behind uh, closed doors. Although I do think he he was tough on Maxi last year and trying to move him along as a uh, as a rookie. But it's like you said, you know, the idea of he hasn't been a point guard for that much of his career. I don't know how he's going to do. Well, he better be good yeah. because guess what? Your your defense isn't getting better.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the, especially in our starting lineup, a lot of those players he's playing alongside of. Like you're not gonna ask Seth Curry to ramp up his usage by a huge degree, not for an 82 game season. Same thing with Danny. Danny can't. I mean, we saw Point Danny. We we saw Point Danny. You can't you can't rat, ramp up Danny Green's usage rate high. Like that doesn't work. There just aren't really that many players in that starting lineup who you can really say, okay, we need you to do more. Maybe Tobias a little bit. But I think we've all seen when like, when Tobias Harris takes a bigger role in the offense, it's not good for the offense. You need you need Tyrese to be good, like not promising, not encouraging, good. Um, and look, could it I be? Think a, he's,
2: I think he's going to get there at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be yeah now.
1: No, I like I like Ty- twenty I years like old Tyrese a lot. It's a, it's just it's a lot to put on his shoulders. It's a lot.
2: Speaking speaking of point, Danny, we we should eventually do a ranking. Of like the 10 most ridiculous games we have seen over the uh, the last five years. The two that come to mind right away, that Point Danny, that Nuggets game where Maxi <laughs> scored 39 points on 33 shots. That was pretty crazy when they had seven guys. And the other one, the one that takes the cake, the Heat game at the end of the season when both teams played five guys yeah. and, and they were both trying to lose for uh for that protected pick.
1: Well the other one that jumped to mind was Isaiah Cannon against OKC a couple years back. He oh, scored yeah. like a million against OKC. But I feel like you have a, a bunch of players who scored a, a big amount in random games during that time because somebody had to every now and then. Yeah. Any uh anything else you really think should uh we should get in there?
2: No, I mean I I feel like we just didn't See too much of the uh, of the practice today, and you know, with the Ben storyline hanging over everything, I, I think as training camp moves along, hopefully we'll get to hear a few more things from uh, from these guys. I mean, it, it, it seemed like they were it, the rotation seems pretty easy when Ben is out because they did add a, a little bit of depth. Man, Doc is at uh, talking about uh, George Niang like he's. Uh, you know, he's like the, the missing ingredient yeah. or something like that. I,
1: I, I don't think he's a viable small ball five too much either. Um, that defense is going to be real bad, especially when you don't have someone like Ben to defend any of the other four positions. Um, but I would be open to at least like, if Doc's going to get that experimental, then I say, go for it. Even if I don't think it'll work, it'll just be nice to see something other than a plotting seven foot center out there.
2: Oh, th- I guess the other point, that I would have about uh Tyrese taking over the starting lineup. Again, I, I think Joe can do some pretty cool stuff in the regular season and he can cover up a lot of your uh your words. I mean Danny Green is your best perimeter defender by a mile in that group. Yeah. That's tough stuff, man. I, I don't know and that's the thing with Ben. That's why he is probably a little more valuable in the regular season. Okay, yeah, he doesn't shoot, but like when it doesn't matter as much, he's not really weak in any other area. Wow, that, that monitor is just just all over the place. So. I've
1: gotta I've gotta tighten up a screw, apparently. Okay.
2: The uh <laughs> Yeah, but, but Ben uh he, he covers up a lot of areas because a lot of these guys are They're good, solid role players, but they're not the most versatile guys in the world. And I just wonder, when Ben is not there, does that start to get a little worse? Do you start to see their warts a a little easier? I guess we'll find out.
1: That we will. Well, my monitor is in the process of falling over again, so we're going to cut this one off here. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. We'll probably talk to you later on in the week uh, when we've hopefully seen a little bit more basketball. Yeah, just a little bit. A little bit. Uh, And have a good one.